0: Let's start this morning with a definition of courage from the Army Warrior Ethos, which reads The defining characteristic a warrior is the willingness to draw close to the enemy. We celebrate and know greater is he that's in you than he in the world and, and the you know the enemy, Satan himself. It's the courage of believers that stand up against what he tries to do in people's lives. It's the willingness to draw close to the enemy, that's courage that we have because we know who we are in Christ. For many that enemy fear, fear of what lies beyond. Fear of the unknown, fear of what people might say. For others, it might be something tearing apart their marriage, whatever it is, though that courage is the willingness to draw close to that, not run and go the other way. Some of the things that uh, seek to destroy people's lives in our world consider 30 million people worldwide are slaves. Here in the United States, 130,000 American children stay home every day from school due to being bullied. One man who stands up to that last statistic, Joe Airman, an NFL coach he coaches high school middle school tells the football players before you worry about being on the field playing on the team if you see a child being bullied or sitting alone at lunchtime you sit with that kid you make them feel welcome to know they're cared for you see because true courage it draws near through the challenges of life it draws near to where the enemy tries to rise up like a flood Paul Coughlin said our lives are only strong, purposeful, and meaningful when we do something loving, beautiful, freedom-giving, redemptive, and worthy of respect. We're going to see what the Apostle Paul says to us as believers, something that we need to understand very clearly, and many people are missing in their life, even those who are believers. If you go to President Theodore Roosevelt's memorial statue written in 1919, there's a plaque placed there. Let it be an inspiration to each of us to see the difference that an individual can make because we all see there's many challenges. There'll be many challenges next week, six months, whenever it is. Our job as believers is to daily stand against the enemy that threatens us in the world, to be that light and salt in the arena that he's placed us, to enforce the, the promise that we have all victory in Christ and that Satan has been defeated, to be the ambassadors that Jesus calls us to be, written on that memorial for President Theodore Roosevelt. It says, he was frail. He made himself a tower of strength. He was timid. He made himself a lion of courage. He was a dreamer. He became one of the great doers of all time. He touched the eyes of blind men with a flame and gave them vision. Paul's about to touch some eyes that are blind to give some people sight, to be an example for us to follow story takes place in Acts chapter 17 where Paul is walking through the city of Athens. He sees statues to false gods. He sees a statue dedicated to an unknown God. He focuses on that one. A group of philosophers gather to listen to Paul. We're told he says this about God, the unknown God, to try to open their eyes. Acts 17 verse 24. God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. We're told about Athens earlier in Acts chapter 17 that all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Essentially Luke is telling us that they learned a lot but they didn't do anything with that knowledge and that's why Paul's words are going to hit so hard. He's distressed when he sees the unknown God statue so he begins to tell them about the truth about what they don't know. And he speaks about Jesus and the resurrection. They've never heard this before. and We're told some of them laughed, but some said, tell us more. Look again at Paul's example, just the the first half of that verse there in Acts chapter 17, where it says, God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. The New Living Translation says, human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. As Philip Kaiser said, this in theology is known as aseity, and aseity is one of the most fundamental of all of God's attributes. Aseity means that God has no needs, he's self-sufficient, so it's impossible for him to be selfish or self-centered. It's God's aseity that leads to God's self-giving to us. Essentially, aseity means because God has no needs, he's a complete giver. And when we stop and begin to share with people, we might say, you know, I don't know theological terms or or all the scriptures to to share, but I can tell you about God. And because he has no needs, he's a complete giver. And the one thing we're promised, the greatest gift, is Christ. And John, in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, says of Christ, we beheld his glory, glory glorious of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that is enough to change people's lives to say you know what because god's a giver he's given us the greatest gift of christ and christ he's full of grace all our sins forgiven he's full of truth he leads us in all wisdom and the light and he calls us to come along beside him to be his ambassadors to celebrate let other people know of his victory we draw close to the challenges without fear because we know in him we have all things the 1500s Martin Luther said Christ never died for our good works they were not worth dying for but he gave himself for our sins according to the scripture because God has no needs he's a giver greatest gift we have received is Christ and he's full of grace full of truth so we're going to see what Paul says next to the people in Athens because again as Luke makes clear they loved to learn but that seemed to be all that they did they just gathered to debate discuss philosophy 1825 Alex de Colville shared this I've seen the freest and best educated of men in circumstances the happiest to be found in the world yet they seem sad even in their pleasure and he nailed it when he said next They never stop thinking of the good things they have not got. So many people unfulfilled in life because they never stop thinking of the things they believe they have not got. That's why I love this metaphor by Dr. Julie Slattery. She says, you know, if you have a Lego set, give it to a child. They build a Lego boat. They have tremendous fun, but what kid wants to to play with a Lego boat? The fun is in the building. The fun is in the purpose. In life, you're either growing or dying. But a lot of adults seem to have missed that point, And they believe getting the Lego boats is the goal. And when they get that, they say, well, this isn't fulfilling. Is this all there is? The idea of life, Paul's going to tell the people in Athens, is the same thing for you and I. It's in the building. It's in the growth. Progress is happiness. Consider revival from... Erlo Stegen, something we all need for our lives, for our culture, for our nation. Erlo Stegan said, revivals are born in the atmosphere of true prayer, desperate prayer. One thing they were doing in Athens, again, they were just simply listening. They weren't doers, though, and Jesus caused us to be doers. One of the things he caused us to be about is to be about prayer. And let me share some things about prayer from Peter Hammond. Some great summaries here to stop and just consider. He says this, a sinning man will stop praying. A praying man will stop sinning. Men would live better if they prayed more. Men would pray more if they lived better. A prayerful life is always a powerful life. A prayerless life is always a powerless life. If you are too busy to pray, then you are busier than God wants you to be. And lastly, no Christian is greater than his prayer life. So let's see the two things Paul now says to the Athenians about their lack of taking action. Remember, again, all the Athenians that lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then says, next, God himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. If we focus on just two words, life and breath you see there's two things listed here life is the gift of living that we all have breath though that is the animating spirit all men possess life but not all men possess breath you see life is about being alive breath though is the action Life is the gift every day to wake up, but the breath is then, what do we do with the life that we have been given? All men have life, but not all men have breath. And then the challenges that the devil brings into our world, this statement by G.K. Chesterton, he says this, a true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. As Jesus said, don't be Hearers only of the word, but doers. You've been given life and breath. Too many are simply taking the life parts, but they don't have the breath. They don't take the action. they settle for a Lego boat and wonder why they are so unfulfilled. Gary Thomas shares about a man who wanted to put life and breath into his faith. He was at a Promise Keepers conference and the speaker said, Give a gift to your wife by doing something that she doesn't like to do herself. And one man named Kevin, you know, he said, I prayed about what my wife Sherry hates doing the most. It was easy making the bed. And I said, okay, God, I'll make the bed for the next five days. And I felt God answer. That's not what I'm saying. Why not do it every day? And when you do it, pray for her. And Kevin would go on to say, I haven't stopped making that bed even if I'm away at a hotel on a trip, I make the bed so I don't miss a chance to pray for her. Today, I'm approaching 6,000 times of making the bed while praying for my wife. You see, that's putting feet to our faith. That's life and breath. Like William Tuke in the 1800s, a Quaker whose friend had some mental health problems. He was taken to a hospital by his family, but he was abandoned by everybody on staff. They thought there was no help for him and he died of exposure and when William Toog heard about that he said we need to make some changes here and so he started the York Retreat Center which has today still been a model that's followed for hospitals to care for those with mental health to give them dignity and the help that they need. Again, I only share the story of Linda Dillo and her friend Krista, who Krista's husband was away at war in Iraq. and when she knew he's coming back for two weeks of leave, she thought about all the fun things that she could do with her husband, but then she stopped and felt God saying, "What do you think he needs the most?" When her husband got off the plane, the kids were there, they had a great celebration to dinner, but then she dropped the kids off at a babysitter, took her husband home, prepared a bath. He sat in the tub, and she shared as she sat on the side of the tub. I'll just read Krista's words. I sat on the tub with a sponge. I began to cleanse the smell of war, and as I washed the odor of war away, I prayed to cleanse his soul from the spirit of death and destruction. I washed his head and hair, and I prayed, Lord, let nothing he has thought harm him. As I wiped his eyes, I prayed, Lord, let nothing he has seen stain his heart. As I washed his ears, I prayed, Lord, let nothing he has heard touch his spirit. I washed and prayed, begging God that nothing would take root, that all evil would be washed away. When her husband went back to Iraq, he sent her a letter and he said, thank you for the best two weeks of my life. Again, it's about life and breath the breath, putting that faith into action, putting feet to our faith. As John Calvin said so many years ago, centuries ago, he said his own personal motto is, my heart promptly and sincerely in the service of my God. You see, when we stop and say, yes, it's about life. It's about breath, though. It's about taking the action that he's put us before us in the arena that we are in to share with other people about the one that is full of grace and truth so their life can be transformed as well. And it's not always easy. As Paul Coughlin shares, he met a a friend of his that when he was in his 30s, this man gave his life to Christ. And then he told Paul, here's the challenge, Paul. In school, I was a terrible bully. And Paul said, let me tell you something. I talk to men all the time and they can tell you the first, middle, last name, and the clothes that their bullies wore. What are you going to do about that? And this man stopped and said, you know, there were three people that I particularly tormented. And so he looked up those three men and he shared he went to the first man's door to apologize. He knocked on the door. He said, that man cursed me out. Went to the second door and knocked. He said, that man also cursed me out found the third man that he bullied, knocked on the door. This man listened to him make his apology and said, listen, here's the thing. I became a believer too. And my challenge is learning to forgive. I guess we both have some things we need to change. And they continue to talk and to heal because one man said it's not just life. Faith is life and breath. philip kaiser shares a, a prayer let me just read part of that where he puts feet to his faith and some things that each of us may draw some of his words he uses the psalms and some of his own writing here some ways to just give an offering to god to pray that things might change in our lives and, and change for others but he prays you know we give you thanks oh god we give thanks for your wondrous works Declare your name is near. Blessed are you, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours, the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor belong to you. Lord, with the psalmist, we give thanks to you for your wonderful works. We thank you for our life and breath and health. We thank you for our families, homes, and jobs. We thank you for the friends you have blessed us with. We acknowledge you are the provider of all these things. We thank you for your power, and we rest in it. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness, so full and so free. Thank you for your patience and kindness to us. Thank you for having declared war on sin and that your grace and holiness will prevail. Thank you for your sovereign control of all things that guarantee All things work together for our good. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for all that you have done for us, in us, and through us. To you be all glory. In Jesus' name. You see, Christ, full of grace and truth, because God has no needs, he's a complete giver. And Paul says he's given us life, but he's also given us breath. And the breath is where we put feet to our faith and step into the world. Credible quote here. I love this here by Shakespeare. Paul Coughlin shared, you know, in the New York slums in the 1800s, ministers, they weren't chosen only for their ability to comprehend God's words. They were also selected for their ability to subdue an intoxicated husband, abusing his family when his wife made a call or notified the church. As Paul Coughlin says, this type of courage kept many men in line during a time when others would not respond to such injustice. As Shakespeare observed, lions keep leopards tame. Lions keep leopards tame. You see, we are called to live this faith with courage to put feet to our faith because we have life and breath. And in that faith, courage is the willingness to draw close to the enemy not run and go the other way but to step into the darkness and bring the light of the gospel and the hope that because he's full of grace and truth and he changes our lives it makes us a new creation in him then we have nothing to fear and again we don't have to have all the theological points we can just tell others you know let me tell you about God he's a giver and in him we have all grace and truth which makes us more than conquerors Most people know the name Todd Beamer. Just a reminder of his story. We know his story because he was on flight 93 on September 11th. On that flight, he made a phone call, but that call ended up going to an operator named Lisa Jefferson. They explained to her what was going on. They were going to stop the terrorists. He said, tell my wife and my family that I love them. But as a believer, he was going to use his life and his breath because lions keep leopards tame. Those with courage that stand up in strength and the light of Christ's love and in the courage that he brings live life without fear. And Todd Beamer's famous because as he was hanging up the phone, Lisa Jefferson heard him say, let's roll. But before that, he would tell her, I'm a believer. He said, will you say the Lord's Prayer with me? And after they shared the Lord's Prayer, he said, would you recite with me Psalm 23, a psalm about living without fear after he finished Psalm 23 he started to hang up the phone and that's when she heard him say let's roll because we're called to put feet to our faith and when Paul stood before the Athenians he said listen you've learned a lot of stuff but you haven't quite learned enough because it's not simply about life it's about life and breath and that breath is where you take action and you step out into the world. And like Paul, we can share and say, you know what? You may not know much about God but because he has no needs. He's a giver. He's offering you life and breath and everything else so that you can live victory in Jesus and know the promise that we are more than conquerors in him. And at this time, perhaps more than ever, because of that promise, we can stand and say With Paul, I am convinced neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor any other thing is going to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus.